So markets are still adjusting to what Jerome Powell had to say yesterday. So what was it that he said that they liked so much? And since then, a stack of numbers, some of which might be suggesting that inflation is easing. And there's hope that China will ease its COVID policies a little more. And more on that price cap on Russian oil as well. But all eyes today are going to be on jobs and wages in the United States. It's that time of the month. It's non-farm payrolls tonight. It's Friday, the 2nd of December, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. equities raced ahead after Jerome Powell's talk yesterday, and they've moved further since, but not by much. The Nasdaq built on yesterday's gains. It's up another 0.1% at close this morning. Same for the S&P 500, although the Dow uh, falling back almost 0.6%. Moves up in Europe as well, up half percent for the Eurostox 50 and 0.6% for the DAX. But the FTSE 100 is down. It's lost 0.2%. Bond yields, though, well, they seem to be down everywhere. Ten-year Treasury yields are down 10 basis points. Ten-year gilts in the U.K., are down 6, German Bund's down 12, in France 10 years are down 14, down 26 in Greece, and quite a fall in the US dollar this morning, it's down 1.2% on the DXY index, but the US dollar is down 2% on the Japanese yen, which is gaining strength, the pound is up 1.5%, the euro is up 1.1%, the Aussie only up 0.3% this morning, up over 68.1 US cents, and oil is rising, WTI is up 1%, Brent was up 1.3%, up over 88 a barrel but it's lost uh, those gains now. It's back down to 87. So a turnaround in stocks. Well, a bit of a mixed day, really, but bond yields certainly uh, continuing to fall ever since Jerome Powell spoke yesterday morning, and they've carried on falling in the 24 hours that followed. Nabs Tapas Strickland is with me this morning. I mean, it seems like we are still seeing a reaction to what Jerome Powell said yesterday, even though uh, he didn't say anything new, but clearly... Uh, even though I thought he was pretty hawkish, obviously markets are expecting him to be more hawkish than he was, which is what we were talking about yesterday. Uh, good morning, Phil. Yes, it's really interesting that price action has actually sustained a lot of those moves that we did see in reaction to uh, Chair Powell's speech yesterday. And there was some thought that a lot of the market moves we had seen was exacerbated by positioning. And of course, that massive surge in equities that we did see was partly due to that. But um, equities are only down a little bit today. So that does suggest markets are taking some signal there. And uh, when you look at the 10-year government bond yield in the US, uh, that's down another six basis points to currently 3.55%. So markets definitely taking a signal out of PAL. And I think the there were three things that really were really interesting in his speech and that were a little bit different, even though, as you're saying, it was still a relatively hawkish speech. And that was really about his coverage of inflation and the inflation track and giving a little bit of optimism there that uh, the Fed is looking at those inflation figures. And if they do start to turn as they did last month and as the USISM today does suggest as well, then you could start to see the Fed changing its tune uh, in the coming months. And the three things that he did say is... Um, but he did say on that, though, he said substantial evidence, didn't he? He, I mean, he wanted it all sustained evidence, I think he said. Yes, yes, but... It, I guess the uncertainty is what is sustained evidence? Is it a couple months of lower core inflation prints or is it a series of uh, lower core inflation prints? And that's going to be the argument that market's going to be tussling with. But the three key things for me was that um, if current trends continue, and this is in Chair Powell's words, goods prices should begin to exert downward pressure on overall inflation in coming months. So that's a positive sign. Um, Housing services inflation, while likely to continue well into next year, um, the new indicators of new leasing activity uh, are expected to see housing services inflation beginning to fall sometime next year. Um, and uh, we've been talking on this podcast uh, for a while about the kind of Zillow rent measures in the US that have started to ease. 
And then the last one is the core services measure other than housing. That's most tied up with the labor market and the wages outlook. So I think the next few payrolls reports are going to be very interesting and very important for the Fed as well. But there is a little bit of a chink of light there that the Fed is not necessarily blind um, and, and deaf ears in terms of the potential for inflation prints to ease in the coming months. And I think that's the thing that markets are latching onto at the moment. But as you're saying, as long as inflation remains high, the Fed will maintain the course. So it's really about being data dependent. But some of the indicators we're starting to look at do suggest inflationary pressures are starting to ease. It's interesting, isn't it? The, the comparison between the Fed and what's and what's happening in Japan, because the, the yen rose a fair bit overnight because uh, one member of the uh, the, the Boj board, uh, Sahi Noguchi, uh, was there saying that they could preemptively withdraw monetary stimulus if trend inflation overshoots expectations and stays above its 2% target. But, if, but their trend inflation, they are just looking at wages going up and services prices. Everything else they see as, as superfluous to it. It's, it's wages and services, which are obviously driven by by wages, and they're the things that are not going anywhere. They they're not concerned about uh, the price of goods or the the uh, you know the price of commodities. That's the, the, they just don't factor that in at all. Hence the big difference uh, in the in, approach. Indeed, and you'd have to say with rates having risen by quite a lot and set to be well into restrictive territory, particularly after the December FOMC meeting, that the Fed can start to um, wait a little bit and see exactly how that labor market pressure is starting to pan out. And we did get some really interesting data yeah. out last night, particularly the ISM manufacturing print. And uh, that did have a few key components there that does suggest some of those inflationary pressures are easing and perhaps assets ease quite significantly. And the overall headline ISM manufacturing index came in at 49.0 from uh, 50.2. And that's its first sub 50 print uh, in this cycle in the lower since May yeah. 2020. But what was really interesting for me was uh, new orders fell to 47.2. And inventories still remain yep. slightly in expansion territory. And a commonly used recession indicator that I've cited on this morning call before is to take the difference between new orders and inventories. And at minus 3.7, that is in recession territory. Um, and then the other one is prices paid to 43. Zero, and that it's lowest read since May 2020, and supply deliveries and a lot lower than expected. As exactly, well. and supply deliveries fell to 47.2, and uh, prior to October, mm. that's the first reading under 50 since February 2016. Um, so, Adnab, we've uh, created this index called the Fed Pressure Index, where we combine the prices paid sub-index and supply deliveries, and that index is now at its lowest since February 2017, and that did tend to correlate with core inflation prior to the pandemic. So it does suggest um, some easing in inflationary pressures. Now, obviously, that's going to be mostly on the good side of the economy because it's a manufacturing index. But we'll be looking quite closely yeah. at the non-manufacturing ISM, which comes out on Monday to see whether that's starting to show the same kind of signs as well. But there are other signs, aren't there, that inflation is easing. So the core PCE, uh, the price index for October, was a bit lower year on year compared to September. So from down down from not a great deal, but from 5.2% down to 5%. It's a step in the right direction, isn't it? And the Atlanta Fed GDP now index, that, that tracker is, is coming lower as well. So there are signs that maybe things have peaked. Uh, definitely. And at least just going back to market pricing, now when you look at Fed funds pricing, uh, markets are pricing in a peak of 4.89% uh, and 46 basis points worth of cuts in 2023. 
Uh, you compare that to a week earlier when uh, a peak was uh, priced in at 4.98% and only 38 basis points worth of cuts were, were priced in. Um, so there has been some pairing back uh, in terms of the peak hawkishness associated with the Fed. Uh, and that's partly due to those signs of uh, activity starting to soften, uh, greater indications of elevated recession risk, uh, and some signs that inflation may start to ease uh, and ease in a meaningful way. Although it's a little bit early to be uh, confident in that view. But personal spending increased and jobless, you know, up 0.8% month on month. So, you know, there's still that resilience, isn't there? And uh, and jobless claims falling 241,000 down to 225,000 last week. So, you know, you, we've got the situation where inflation might be slowing, uh, with, and, but spending isn't slowing and, and jobs are still there. That seems to be what's happening right now. Oh, definitely. The labour market is still tight. Um, when you do look at continuing claims, uh, they're still continuing to rise. So there does seem to be some... Uh, discrepancy between the people who are uh, unfortunately filing initial jobless claims and those people who are able to get a job and get off continuing claims. Um, and then when you look at the Challenger JobCat series, um, that rose to its highest level since January 2021. So there are some signs of the labour market softening, though, of course, there's still 1.7 job openings per unemployed person in the US. So there's still a way to go there. But at least this is some signs that uh, some of the kind of peak inflationary pressure is starting to ease. That will take some pressure off the Fed in terms of jacking rates up to a very high level. Um, but then the discussion will really turn to, well, what will allow the Fed to start to pivot um, and maybe towards cutting rates sometime in 23 as the market is pricing? And really, that's going to be further signs of inflationary pressures easing. So do you think uh, the equity market, I mean, it, it was quite an extreme reaction yesterday. Is that going, are we going to see that easing off more now as, as people start to... I guess it, it's anyone's guess, isn't it, Tapas, as to what actually drives equity markets is a mystery to me. Bonds, I can sort of understand, but it seems to, you know, this, it's the herd mentality, I guess, isn't it? Oh, uh, it definitely is. And uh, there's two competing dynamics in equities at, at the moment. And the first one is um, people are very eager to price the other side of this cycle. And I think that goes back to the kind of Fed pivots that we did see back in, uh, was it 2018, 2019 and uh, 2020 when the Fed uh, cuts aggressively and uh, equity markets rise by quite a significant amount. Um, what hasn't occurred in this cycle because markets have been so forward looking and so eager to go into the next cycle is uh, pricing in the potential impact of an earnings hit. And uh, the last two earnings quarters have been relatively positive for US equities. Uh, but when you uh, look at that ISM, it's printing below 50. Uh, that has historically has been correlated with uh, downside risk in terms of earnings growth. And you also possibly have margin compression occurring. Um, some firms were able to expand margins during the pandemic because there was a shortage of certain goods. You'd expect margins to also come under pressure. So from an earnings point of view, um, mm. equity markets will be facing a challenge in early 2023. Uh, but then also you have the other side of that in terms of the rates point of view, um, in which case uh, it's, it's still unclear exactly how that plays out. But uh, if people start to recognize more of the potential earnings hit, um, then you may start to see a bit of reversal of the moves. Although the rally, the Santa Claus rally, as everyone likes to talk about within markets, is a very real thing driven by a very real seasonality. Uh, if, if you're a fund manager out there, you don't want to underperform, underperform the market going into the end of the year. Um, so um, you would have to say maybe the bias is a little bit higher in, in, in the near term. But coming into next year, if there is a hit to earnings, um, then there may be a bit of downside risk. 
Right, but I guess there'll also be an element of, you know, just how shallow is the recession going to be and how quick are wages going to come down? Can we can we reclaim uh, some of our margins? Uh, you know, and as, as supply costs go down as well, not just wages generally. So they'll be, I'm sure that's factored into the equation as well, isn't it? Um, let's uh, let's look at what's happening in, in China because the yuan uh, also on the rise. There are hopes that lockdowns will ease. In fact, large parts of Shanghai and Jiangsu now have been released from lockdown yesterday. Uh, and it seems now low-risk cases, uh, Reuters is saying this morning, low-risk risk cases in Beijing can now isolate at home rather than going to, uh, to a quarantine facility somewhere. So uh, rather than being locked up somewhere away from home, people may actually you know risk going out more now. So that could help a great deal if that is the case. So we've seen that in the one. Uh, we're not seeing it in... Strangely, we're not seeing that in, reflected in the Aussie dollar this morning, though, are we? Uh, so it's really interesting, the China COVID situation. I think that has been the other theme uh, within markets over the past two weeks. It's certainly been what we've been talking about with US Fed, but also uh, in terms of China and the kind of pivot towards living with COVID uh, or gradual pivot towards living with COVID. And most analysts still think um, the more comprehensive uh, pivoting towards living with COVID probably happens in that kind of March, April period. Um, but the very positive signs are over the past couple of days um, has been the China COVID czar, um, uh, Vice Premier uh, Sun, and uh, she was saying that um, Omicron is less severe than other variants. Um, and so that's a very familiar language uh, for most of us mm. in the rest of the world and really was the start of that pivot towards living with COVID for many parts of the world. And as you're noting, the kind of move towards um, home isolation rather than those kind of quarantine camps should help alleviate some of the most acute disruptions, particularly in the supply chain. Um, And so that is very, very positive uh, for that China pivot point of view. And that has been one of the major drivers of the strength that we have seen in the Australian dollar over the past uh, couple of weeks. Now, uh, we're seeing a bit of a movement in oil as well. uh, And and some of this relates to, and we knew, I think this is sort of like we knew this was coming, uh, the idea that the EU is going to set the price cap on Russian oil at $60 per barrel. So this is, uh, you know, if you want to be insured uh, or you want to have passage through a a European registered company, uh, then oil can't sell for more than $60 per barrel, which is uh, enough, I guess, to, uh, to, to ensure that there are supplies coming out of Russia without Russia making too much money out of it. So what's the, where, where do we go from here on this? What's, what's been the reaction? And, and how, how certain are we that this is actually going to happen? I think it still remains uncertain exactly um, in terms of the price cap. But for oil, um, the two real key drivers here is the US dollar, which has uh, – and the US dollar has uh, begun to fall over the past week and obviously uh, did fall quite sharply um, uh, when Chair Chairman Powell yeah. started to speak. Um, and the other one is mm. China. So uh, if uh, China uh, continues to pivot towards uh, living with COVID, then some of the headwinds uh, to the near-term contracts in terms of oil um, also alleviate as well. So that has been right. the other driver. But a chunk of oil, this Russian oil, selling for $60, that's not going to do anything to the to the global price for oil? It shouldn't, it's not going to drag it down as well? Uh, it, it shouldn't. They're already selling at a discount um, uh, to the euros price, about $20 to $30 mm. a barrel. So really, uh, this... $60 a barrel thing is effectively what Russia is already getting right. for yeah, its oil. They're just, getting it, they're just going to be saying it to Europe instead. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. So today it's jobs, isn't it? Basically, uh, it's the non-farm payrolls, uh, particularly the average hourly earnings figure, I guess everyone's going to be having a look at. Uh, definitely. That was one thing in uh, Chair Powell's speech uh, that he said the other day. He was really looking quite closely at those wages figures and whether they start to 
he's up there. Uh, consensus looks for average hourly earnings of 0.3% month to month and 4.7% year on year and uh, for 200,000 uh, jobs gains in the month. Uh, in Australia, though, it's worth also noting that uh, RBA Governor Lowe uh, is speaking on a panel at the Bank of Thailand on central banking amidst shifting ground. Um, now, obviously, the RBA meets uh, next Tuesday, so we don't think he'll give... Um, too many remarks, um, just given there is that informal blackout period there, but there always is a potential, especially given that he's uh, talking on a panel as well. And uh, just in terms of the impact of rates, particularly on the housing market, we also get lending finance figures for October, and uh, the consensus there is for another hefty decline following last month. Right. Okay. And New Zealand, in terms of trade as well, I think Canada's unemployment rate is out today. We get uh, a few ECB speakers as well. But yeah, the largely payrolls numbers today. That's what the, the focus is going to be. Good to talk, Tapas. We'll catch you again very soon. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks, Phil. And that's it for the morning call for today and for this week. Have a terrific weekend back on Monday morning. I'll see you then. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Bye for now.